um, Sam spoke on last week, but we're going to go to the end of the chapter. Now, last week, um, Sam had said that we'll, uh, you know, you'll find out about the rest of the chapter from Pound of Plate. Uh, we sat upstairs in front of the camera, talked for an hour and a quarter, and thought, actually, yeah, we probably need to preach on the passage. So <laughs> here we are. So that's why no Pound of Plate appeared last week. Um, so here we go. Chapter 9, verses, uh, sorry, chapter 10, verses 19 to the end. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water." Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who, is, is, who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised." For in just a little, a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Shall I just pray? Lord Jesus, please help us as we have a look at this passage um, and help us to take seriously what is said here. Um, yeah, all too often we are um, here, we're so lethargic when it comes to you um, and our relationship with you. Uh, Lord Jesus, please help us um, yeah, to see what it is we're walking towards and to live in the light of it. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So last week, uh, Sam took us uh, through uh, five let uses. <laughs> let us. Let us, let us. And those really were uh, consequences of what Jesus has done. Hebrews has been, majority, by majority, a book of encouragement. 
The writer of the book of Hebrews wants to so thrill our hearts with who Jesus is and what He has done that, that we grasp hold of Him and we never let go. You know, we want to be with Him, want to listen to Him, want to walk with Him, want to live life as He would live life. But there have been times where He almost comes out of His pulpit and He walks up and He wants to look us in the eye. And He has a severe warning for us. And so that's happened a few times through Hebrews, where you're like, yeah, I'm loving this. Jesus is the great high priest, and there is no one like him. And it's been encouraging, isn't it, to think of him like that, that we let us then draw near to God. I can come near because he has paid for my sin with his blood. He has opened up the way. His body broken on the cross is like the curtain torn open, and he grants us access. Yes, we can draw near. And yes, we have a hope that we can hold on to unswervingly. He has given us that hope. That hope can never originate from from down here, from us. Life under the sun is rubbish. It's meaningless. We've got nothing. But He comes, and the hope is found in Him. Great encouragements. And then He says, let us meet together, encourage each other. Be a, be a church family and help each other. And it's like, yes, we can do that. How encouraging is that? The consequences of Him coming and dying on the cross for us, those consequences are incredible. And if you like, they are the marks of a healthy Christian, that you draw near to God, that you do that, you draw near to Him, that you do hold on unswervingly to the hope which we're professing, that we do meet together to encourage each other. That, if you like, are the marks of a healthy Christian there, living in those amazing consequences of what Jesus has done for us. But then he dips into this warning. So here he kind of steps out from the pulpit and he comes down and it's a one-to-one here. He looks you in the eye and he's like, We've got to be warned about something. We've got to take something quite seriously. And we've got to stop jumping um, through little hoops, which really renders the warning powerless and mute. I think we, we tend to do that. That's why me and Sam were talking so long on Sunday night up, up there, but trying to do a pound of plate. It was because everything you find in here, there's so many questions that you have, you can end up rendering these warnings mute. I'm a Christian, therefore untouchable. And you get the sense, yeah, that's right, isn't it? In some senses, that's right. When the devil comes, Martin Luther says this, that he comes knocking, he answers the door, and he says, get away, Jesus lives here. So there's some ways in which you're untouchable because of him. That's true. But then there are warnings here for us, and we must take them seriously and not press mute on the remote control. So he starts off by saying, look, you know, the day is approaching, you know, that, that's, that's, that's a good little motivator, isn't it? The day's approaching. Stop mucking around. Stop talking about your feet of being washed and you're in bed. Oh, have I got to get up and soil my feet again? Have I got to get up and put my robe on again? I'm comfortable uh, and I'm nice and warm. Must I come out to Jesus? He's like, the day's approaching. Stop mucking around. The day's approaching. Let us draw near to God. Pray. Talk to him, plead with the high priest. Do that. Hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. 
meet together. The day is approaching. With some of the resignations that have come recently, one of the members said something really striking to me on the phone. They said this, they just don't understand that we're just waiting for Jesus, isn't it? That is so profound, that is. So that's what we're doing. Do you get that? That's what this is about, is that we are waiting for him to come back. Now, let's stop mucking around. Let us draw near. Let us hold unswervingly to that hope, and let us look at each other, encourage, and meet together with one another. That is where he's coming from. And then he says this, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. So boom, he's straight in here with a warning. In chapter 2, verse 1, we've already been warned to pay careful attention lest we drift away. And that's where this comes in. If we drift away from him, there's such a danger that we'll eventually wave goodbye to him. That is the danger talked of here. If we deliberately sin. Now, hands up who deliberately sins. I'll put mine up first of all, right? So this is not helpful, the NIV here. So not helpful. The ESV is much better. The ESV says this, that if you sin with a high hand. Do you remember we watched um, one of the RBT helps on this? And I think it's Richard Buse who goes into this. He has this phrase quite a lot in those book-by-book stuff, the sinning with a high hand. It is the way that we look at Jesus and we forsake him, we reject him, we turn away from him, we're not going to live for him anymore, and now we're going to live a totally different way. And so we sin with a high hand. We go, oh, look at this. And we treat him like that and we just walk away from him. That is what it's talking about here. Yeah, and this is the warning. We can't get away from this. The writer is talking in wheeze. You know, it's like, no, this must hit home. That if you look at those marks of a healthy Christian and you're like way off of that, then sit up and just take note here and go, flip, I ought to stop mucking around. That's what this is here for. Yeah, because a person who walks away from Jesus finds that there's no answer for sin anybody, anywhere else. Nowhere else. The person who walks to, away from Jesus finds himself as an enemy of God. That is what this passage is talking about here. And so, uh, what, what, what does he use here? The sort of phrases when he says that you trample the Son of God underfoot. Yeah, to, to not... Uh, to not trust him and to love him and to talk to him and to hold on to that hope and, uh, and to, to encourage his church family and meet together. Not to do any of that is to be on your way to end up here, to eventually wave goodbye to him and trample upon the Son of God. His body was broken, isn't it, on the cross. His body torn asunder so that we can get access to the Father. It talks here about uh, the blood it says, treated as an unholy thing, the blood of the covenant. Chapter 10 has already talked about the blood of Jesus. That is how we have access through the blood of Jesus. Chapter 10 has already talked about the new covenant. Is that this, this agreement between the Father and His Son, that He would come and shed His blood for us in our place. 
So to not go to him, not to draw near to God, not to hold and serve into that hope, to not meet together and encourage one another, is to look at that blood and to go, what the heck is that? What good is that? Do you, do you see that? that? That's the connection he's making here. And you insult the Spirit of grace, the Spirit who wants to apply all of what Jesus has done to us. We grieve him, we quench him, um, and we tell him to get lost. Yeah, that, that's, that's this danger here. And so with that, let that just hit home. Let that land without any of the stuff, but I've trusted in Jesus. It's like there's a possibility you can drift away, right? And you can go so far as to wave goodbye to Jesus and to hate him and to reject him and to sin with a high hand. There's, no, there's nowhere to go for life other than Jesus. That's why he spells out all those consequences. But it isn't so with the people he's writing to. He says, remember those earlier days. So this was, that's the road back that is and where it leads. It doesn't lead to a good place. But the road, the road forward is this encouragement from him now. So there was the warning. So we're back into encouragement. Phew, that's nice, isn't it? We're back into encouragement. No, look at, do you remember when you first met Jesus? Do you remember it? Do you remember when light broke in upon you and you saw for the first time just how wretched you were? Just how void of life you truly are. Do you remember that? Do you remember how you saw how dirty and how unclean you were? And then do you remember the spotlight just swinging around and into that light walked Jesus who was the Savior that you so desperately knew you needed and wanted? Well, he takes them back to that. He takes them back to, to them uh, getting, you know, going to the Lord for access, going in and talking, holding so firmly to the hope that, that they professed that they had their goods stolen, isn't it? Look at this. When you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. So you go, he says, remember what happened? Remember when you first, when you were holding on to that hope? And now the whole world had their eyes on you. They were watching you. And they hated you. Do you remember that? And so they went through incredible suffering. Imagine that. Like people just walking into your house. Isn't it? This is not like, you know, someone is stealing your dog in COVID times, right? Which has been rife, isn't it? It's been rife, that has. No, this is like proper government sort of stuff, you know, where it's like they're going to walk into your house and they're going to take your kid or they're going to take your goods. Do you know? It's that kind of suffering we're talking about here. But they bore it. And those who didn't suffer sympathized with those who did. Why did they do that? Why? Why is it that you have ever stood and acknowledged and owned Jesus Christ. And he says to you, why? Because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. See, now what he's going to do, he's going to take us in the letter to our eyes being fixed on the future. Where does this road lead if you hold, if you draw near to God, if you hold that onto that hope, if you meet together and encourage each other, what are we supposed to encourage each other about? It's about where the road leads. It's where it leads that there's going to be a day when all the tears you've cried 
will be wiped away by Jesus. There will be a day where all the pain that you have experienced will be in the past, and it will be so small it will feel insignificant. There is a day when He's going to put everything wrong right. That is where this road leads. And in the light of that, He says, hold on. Persevere. Endure. He's going to open up now this word persevere in the next couple of chapters. What you need is not what you think you need. You think you need to be more comfortable in this life. You think that you need more, uh, more ease with your life. That you've got lots of thoughts in what you think should be your life. But what the writer of Hebrews says is, no, you need to persevere. You need to endure. You need to carry on. This is reflected in the life of His saints, period. This holding on. And so Hebrews chapter 11, will, He will take us into that. What is the life of faith like? Because you live by faith. That's how you're supposed to live. You're supposed to live by faith in Him, isn't it, who, who loves you and has given Himself for you. That is how you live your life, by faith in Jesus. And you do that today. Let's just do the one day at a time, isn't it? Today, how are you going to live today? Are you going to continue to drift away from Him today? Or are you thinking, man, those marks of a healthy Christian, flip, I haven't spoken to him for ages. Ah, oh, so get on it, isn't it? Get on it. Know that he has paid for your sin by his blood, opened up the access. You can today draw near to God. And you can. That's how hard it is, isn't it? That you just chuck your legs, like sounds said, out of the bed. And you just start and walking towards him. Not because you feel like it, isn't it? That's what I need. I need to feel like I want to follow Jesus. Well, that's a bit stupid, that is, because I feel loads of things every day. Is that going to be what rules you, your feelings? Oh, man, no wonder you're up and down, isn't it? No wonder it's like a whirlwind. No, that's not the way we're going to do it. What's ruling us is that we want to follow Him. We want to trust Him and live for Him. And I want to do that today. Perseverance you need as a Christian, you need just for today. Tomorrow is another day, isn't it? Yeah? You've got help today. Daily bread, daily help. So if this is you, if you're like drifting away, don't be so proud to think that you're standing and you'd never wave goodbye to Jesus. This is, the chapter doesn't allow us to do that, all right? So however the mechanics of salvation works, you can just go, this is what it is today. Today there is a warning. I could slip so far, I wave goodbye to him. So put your energy into going, no, I'm going to trust Him. That's what the battle is, to trust Him. Throw yourself upon Him and walk with Him. Perseverance is what we need. And we can, we can persevere with Him, isn't it? Because He is our rock. There's a quotation here from Deuteronomy 32, and that is all about how Jesus is our rock. He's the one on which we stand. This is not about trying to do life yourself. No, this is go into Him. Standing on that rock, only on Him can we persevere and we can keep going and endure. The day is approaching. Let's stop mucking around. Stop mucking around. Draw near. Hold on to that hope. Meet together and encourage each other because we know where it leads. It leads to a good place, isn't it? Every believer that's gone before us, we will see again. How incredible is that? 
There'll be a new heavens and a new earth, and we will live with him. That's where it leads. So let's hold on to it, isn't it? Let's hold on to him. Let's do that. Let's want to just pray. Lord Jesus, please help us in this. We desperately need help in this. Um, yeah, help us all as a church, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.